Hello and welcome to the Anita Po Show and the Bitcoin for Fairness series. In this show, we talk about the role that Bitcoin plays in enabling individuals and communities' economic empowerment by providing fair and open access to a neutral financial network. My guest today is Hermann Vivier, initiator of Bitcoin Ekasi and co-founder of the Surfer Kids, a non-profit social enterprise working for a better world. The two projects are located around the JCC Township and Dias Beach in Mossel Bay, which you can see in the back. In an environment of poverty, violence and hopelessness, the educational efforts of Hermann and his team of coaches and volunteers teach the children fundamental life skills through surfing. As always, you can watch this interview on YouTube or in your podcast app. If you want to try something new, listen to it in a lightning-enabled podcast app like Breeze, the Sphinx Chat app or the Fountain app. Thanks for supporting Bitcoin for Fairness. Go out to the Human Rights Foundation, to Laden and to OKCoin. And now enjoy the interview. Learn Bitcoin will teach you the why and how to use Bitcoin. The masterful flow from one subject area to the next makes Bitcoin seem simple to explain. Michael Peterson, Bitcoin Beach, El Salvador. Order your copy now at learnbitcoin.link. That's learnbitcoin.link. Hello, Hermann. How's it? Hello. I'm good, time. thanks. How are you? Yeah, all uh, good. It's all fantastic good. to be here, to be honest. It's awesome to have you guys here. I'm very <laughs> glad you came. Yeah. Um, it's a far, far way to come. It's a 13,000 kilometers travel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's worth it, I would say. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hermann, let's start at the beginning. Please introduce yourself to our viewers and to our listeners. Uh, my name is Hermann Vivier, Hermann Boer Vivier. Um, I am South African. Uh, I'm married with two kids and I run this organization. <laughs> so this organization now is the Surfer Kids and Bitcoin Ikasi, right? Yes, yes. I mean, two two names, but it sort of, for the time being, still very much intertwined as one organization. But yes, the Surfer Kids is the official registered organization, but Ikasi isn't. It's just a little extension of that for now. Mm. You want to start a circular Bitcoin economy in the township here in Mossel Bay. But I mean, that's a quite courageous goal. And <laughs> I would be interested in where does that come from? I mean, what's your history? I think you are Cape Towner. You're not even from Mossel Bay. Not originally from Mossel Bay, no. So tell us a little bit, please, about the origin of this whole project that you started here. Okay, um, yeah, we, we started the Surfer Kids in 2010. Um, it was, at that time, the nonprofit was a little extension of a business that my wife and I started, actually. Um, since the, the business and the nonprofit has since become two completely independent, um, well, I say completely independent, but um, it just two separate organizations. Um, we started on the, the non-profit to give our business clients, which is tourists, a slightly different experience of the country. Um, and also just because I, you know, I just, I don't know, I, I, I felt personally touched by the, 
the inequality that I saw in this country and I wanted to try and do something about that. And um, I was stupid enough to believe I could do something about it. Um, one person alone obviously can only do so much. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's more or less where it came from. And um, yeah, the Bitcoin economy thing happened in 2000 and started early 2021. Um, but I'd been, I'd been carrying the idea in the back of my head since I heard an interview with Michael Peterson in 2019 on the uh, What Bitcoin Did podcast. I heard him there for the first time. Um, and uh, it was an interesting idea. And I thought to myself, this sounds like it could bring some meaningful change to the entire community, not just to the children in the program. Because we've got 40 kids in the program, but there's, you know, between, I'd say probably somewhere between four and 6,000 people in the community. Um, so I can't help 6,000 people. But if I could kickstart a Bitcoin economy, then that could grow and mean something for the community, for their future. Mm -hmm. um, Let's go back a bit. Um, Unravel Surf, I think, is the company name of your yes. the, the, the business you have with your wife. Yes. And um, you had tourists coming to Cape Town and organized travels for them, like on the garden route and things like that. Yes. And even back then, you had clients paying in Bitcoin, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. We Well, yes, we did. Um, it, it that was the in 2015 um, was the first Bitcoin payment more as a matter of necessity than anything else. Um, both the clients and ourselves would have preferred them making a regular bank transfer, but uh, they were from uh, Russia, Russians living in Ukraine, and there was already you know um, conflict at that time already. Um, sort of a precursor to what's happening at the moment. And because of sanctions, they couldn't pay. And uh, we looked at a few different options. Um, I'd been very uh, interested in Bitcoin uh, since around 2013. Um, and I mentioned this to the client who didn't know what it was, but he went and he looked at it and he was like, yeah, he's happy to pay in Bitcoin. And <laughs> that was... That was the first time, and since then it's it's been here and there. Not most people paid through regular means, uh, but there have been people who who have come from that part of the world, particularly Eastern Europe and Russia, where most of our clients come from, um, that have paid in Bitcoin uh, as the only way, as a result of you know these sanctions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And how did you find out about Bitcoin the first time? Um, I think what happened was, so m my wife is Russian and this is why most of our clients are Russian and there was a banking crisis in Cyprus in 2013 where there was a big bank bailout. They closed all the banks for like three days um, and a lot of the clients of those banks were Russians. And the story in the media was something along the lines, you know, what they always say, yeah, but it's, it's fine because they're all criminals. <laughs> um, 
Um, so what the banks did was they closed the banks and everybody with a certain amount of money in the bank, yep. they got like a 40% haircut or whatever. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, this is obviously unfair because there must have been a significant number of those Russians who were not criminals and just had their money lying in the bank. And then at the same time, a friend of mine actually gave me a, a copy of Bitcoin magazine. Um, and I read that and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> like this is something that so if those people had Bitcoin and not money in the bank, then this couldn't have happened to them. It wouldn't have been possible. Um, and so I'm not really technical, uh, but something about that decentralization of power and control just clicked. And yeah, I just, I actually, I actually bought my first Bitcoin near the top in 2013. And that was quite a painful experience. Um, and uh, yeah, but very meaningful. Because when, when, when you experience that, for the first time and you don't sell and you hold on i think it's quite an important learning curve as well mm -hmm. <laughs> but not a good time to buy no. so you had that two times already right because you then you had yeah. two bear markets already yes yeah, yeah the experience and now we are maybe in the third maybe yeah, yeah. although i don't know who knows what's going on <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all those altcoins taking the price down of Bitcoin, but yeah, yeah it will, it will go. I mean, yeah, we know, or we have the conviction that Bitcoin yeah. will recover. No, absolutely. I mean, I, it's, I don't, I don't have any doubt that it'll recover. It's just a question of, will it happen this year or next year or the one after that? It's, Yeah. So the Surfer Kids actually started long before you had the idea or you started the Bitcoin Ikasi initiative, right? Yes, yes. So, um, yeah. yeah, when did you start um, yeah, asking in the community uh, which, who, whose child or whose kids <laughs> uh, want to learn surf? How did that work out? Um, yeah, that was in, we, we, we took a little small group of kids for the first time in 2010 but then really started with focused effort in 2011. And we started in a completely different community, um, not the one where we operate now. Um, and we, we, met, we met a local person and he had two sons. Um, He also was actually in, in, in recovery at that time and he'd become estranged from his, his own children. His wife had kicked him out of the house and he was trying to reconnect with his kids. And his children started coming to surf with us and then he saw an opportunity to actually reconnect with his children by committing himself to helping us with this surfing program. So yeah, he, he ended up helping us find more children in the community in an attempt to reconnect with his own children who had also joined mm -hmm. that little program. It was very small in the beginning. Um, and then that sort of grew, but it was too far from the beach. And so we realized we had to find something closer to the beach. Um, so in 2015, we moved to the township where we're operating now. And we got this, this uh, building in 2016. Um, and then since then, we've been operating daily. Daily, from Monday to Friday? Or? Uh, Tuesday to Saturday. 
Tuesday to Saturday. Yeah. And um, and how does that work? The the children come when they are in school in, in the morning or how, how? No, let's start. How is life in a township? <laughs> wow! <laughs> Because most people don't know, including me. Yeah, I mean, look, I've I've also never lived in a township, so it's hard for me to yeah. talk about that. Um, you know, it's life is rough. Um, Yeah, it's it's a it's a very very different world there. I I'm I'm still shocked by the level of poverty um, in in the townships of South Africa, and I think what makes it worse is because you've got this very affluent society to compare it to. Mm -hmm. So you know, I guess the word for that is inequality. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 really it's really tough. To see people live uh, live like that, um, so yeah, life life is rough. It's it's. I mean, the kids live on the street, a lot of them. Um, even though they've got a shack, the parents are never there. Um, fatherlessness is a massive problem. I think upwards of 70% of the children have no no father in the home so it would, would be the mother or the grandmother raising them um, maybe upwards of 50% don't have any parents it's, it's the grandparents raising them so parental absence fatherlessness um, uh, some of the children you know we feed the kids on a daily basis that's sometimes the only meal they get for the day um, drug abuse is you know rampant um, You know, sexual abuse is not even strange. Like it's it's normal. It's um, particularly because it's like you'd find a family of like ten people living in a in a in a in a one room shack. It's not even a house. It's a it's a shack with one room. So there's no privacy. Mm. The idea of boundaries don't exist. So it's. It's 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 pretty crazy, um, you know. It's it's really really, uh, it's a really tough life, I think. Um, and that's part of what motivates me to try and do something about it. I guess a lot of people complain, and I do too. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, one has to try and do something about it. Uh, for me, so that's I guess really what the Surfer Kids is. Hmm. Uh, you have forty children. More or less, yeah. More or less. How many girls are there? Uh, pff, not enough. Uh, it's only about five, I think. Mm. Um, What are the reasons? I mean, we have been talking earlier, of course, but maybe you can repeat that and tell it to our listeners. Why are there only four or five girls and 35 boys? Um, I mean, Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of these things are second-hand information, obviously, that I get from yeah. the coaches who do the recruiting. Um, but as as far as I can tell, it's the parents are more careful um, with what they let the girls do. Uh, they tend to look after the girls um, because a, a girl is sort of seen as a, you know, got to be careful how I say this but because of the cultural practice of Lebola in South Africa 
um, a, a parent would be more likely to, to benefit from the future marriage of a girl because the future husband has to pay for that girl to get married. Mm. So, you know, if something were to happen to that girl, that's a potential loss of a future income, which could be significant. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it, it's normally it's normally really expensive. Actually, it's not a it's it's not a it's not a cheap thing. Labola is a oh really? It's it's very expensive. Yeah, it costs more than the marriage, more than the it normally paid in cattle. Um, <laughs> So it's 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 uh, I, and I'm not I don't I don't know if that's the only reason, but it's the only thing that it's one of the things that makes sense. There's we've heard some other things as well. They, you know they 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 also think it's not appropriate for girls to do this. Mm. You know, it's, um, it's it's still a very traditional culture. Um, so it's 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 not seen as something that's that's appropriate i mm, guess mm. and there are no role models i guess are there any black or colored surfer girls uh there women? are in south africa but not not locally that the girls can identify with mm. so we we've been we've been operating for long enough to have enough boys come through and grow up so the young boys now have role models to look at but the young girls don't really have that yet so but we've got one girl in particular that's been with us consistently. The, one of the big problems with the girls have been motivating them to stick around. Um, maybe because they don't have role models. Mm. Um, so, but we've got one girl in particular who's been doing really well. And if she can only stick around for another two or three years, then that could, yeah, she could become a role model, I guess. That would be great. Yeah. So, and there is—is is there any school there in the township? They do have a school. Yeah, there's a government-funded school, um, but it's hey, it's <laughs> it's it's uh, chaos. It's chaos. It's it's absolute chaos. Um, yeah, I mean, I've 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 visited the school a couple of times and. You know, it, it kind of, I, I walked in the first time and you kind of feel like, you know, there, there's no structure. Like the kids walk around as they want. Mm -hmm. They come in and out of the classroom as they want. I think a lot of the teachers are completely overwhelmed, overworked. The school is understaffed, it's underfunded. Um, you know... The, the South African government is trying to fix a problem that is just so big that it's almost unsolvable. Mm. Um, and because so many people are so poor all over the country, you told me yesterday that everyone is coming to the towns, like to Mossel Bay, to Cape Town, and they start living in these townships that grow like, yeah, mm. like <laughs> uncontrolled in a way. I mean, like in chaos as well. Yeah. So there are more and more children, more and more people, yeah. no structures, no income, no hope, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So that's also one of the reasons, I think, why you started educating the kids here, not only to surf, but also in general education. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we wanted to help 
do something about about the school education because well, it's the education and getting at school is just not adequate. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, the South African Department Department of Education have been trying to solve the problem <laughs> in a very uh, in a very re sort of reverse way. So instead of instead of raising the level of education, they've dropped the requirements hmm. to call it an education. So they've got a high enough pass rate, enough people are finishing school, but the requirement to finish school is so low that you can finish school without even being able to read properly in a language that you're supposed to have been educated in for a minimum of 10 years. Mm -hmm. So the, their language, uh, the native language is Xhosa? Xhosa, yeah. Xhosa. yeah. And they learn English, but not really. Um, the school, it's, it's an English medium school. Um, 100% of the kids at that school speak Xhosa at home. Uh, but that, this is only in this part of the South, in South Africa. The, the, the language changes completely depending on which part of the country you're in. Um, but yeah, so they, they receive instruction in English. I'm not sure if all the teachers are qualified to teach in English. Because what I hear from the children um, is that a lot of their teachers are teaching subjects like mathematics or, or whatever and they're they're teaching it in english but they're speaking Corsa half the time <laughs> so they're learning a lot of things in Corsa, but when it comes to writing exams the entire paper is in english because it's supposed to be an english medium school mm. but then they've learned all these things in Corsa because the teacher didn't have the ability to explain it in english because mm. it's a Corsa speaking teacher i mean I guess in a situation like that, it would actually be better to just teach them everything in Corsa, do all the exams mm. in Corsa. I mean, I had my education in my mother tongue, which is Afrikaans, and I only really learned to speak English at a later stage. Um, but yes, for, for, for whatever reason, the school is supposed to be an English medium school, and I, I actually think that's maybe sort of confusing the situation even more. Because none of the teachers are actually English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so they can't really speak English very well. Uh, no, I mean I I've mean also the kids, sorry. No. Yeah. No. At at, at an older age, yes. Mm. So so the older children, yes, they do. I mean all all media, all TV, all films in South Africa is English. So mm -hmm. so they hear it constantly all mm -hmm. the time. Um, but in terms of writing and reading, that's yeah. Mm. Uh, do you know, uh, on average, what the income of a person or maybe a family of 10 is in a month? I mean, how much or how not much money do they have? Um, you mean in the area where we are focused? In the, yeah, in yeah. that area. Yeah, what I mean, do the people tell you? Or what um, you know? I mean, look, there are some of the coaches who earn with us in rands so they would earn two and a half thousand rand a month which is about 180 dollars per month mm -hmm. and they're earning more than their parents mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it, it, to give you an idea if you uh, uh the grant the government grant for for people who are unemployed is like 30 dollars a month oh wow 
Um, And some people live on that. Mm. But then they'll have a household of five people receiving that. Wow. And they'll run the household like that. And then they also get a grant of about $30, $40 per month for each child in the household Mm -hmm. that's dependent on them Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i think people are are if 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 you're earning more than more than 200 more than 200 300 dollars a month that's actually considered a a pretty decent income Mm -hmm. in that particular area Mm -hmm. uh, which is very little but it is an incredibly it's one of it's 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 one of the poorest townships uh in in marcel bay Okay. Um, and um, I mean, how's the 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 average rate of? I mean, do people have smartphones? Uh, older, older people, yeah. So, so the 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 coaches that we employ, um, they would show up with their own smartphones, but children, no. 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 And how is the mobile internet? I mean, how much does it cost? Can they afford that? Um, mobile internet is it's pretty expensive actually um, it's it's not something I mean look if you're just going to be messaging and, and that sort of thing it's okay but mobile internet is definitely not something that you're going you're not going to be streaming YouTube videos mm-hmm. on mobile internet mm-hmm. um, unless you're pretty wealthy mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty expensive actually, mobile internet. Mm-hmm. But it's very well developed. It's the infrastructure is, you know, yeah, and there's reception everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just a question of access, money to be able to access yeah. it. Yeah. So you started educating the kids also here in English and mathematics. You have a teacher here. Uh, yes, we do. We do have a teacher. We have a full-time teacher. Um, he works Monday to Friday um after school um so there's the kid the kids come to school after school but he makes it fun it's not it's not a school curriculum it's a um he's really uh you know he's teaching at the level of the kids so he's not he doesn't have a particular he'll he'll teach them whatever is needed Mm -hmm. um so they enjoy it he makes it he makes it more interactive they play a lot of games um they they sing they do rhymes that sort of thing you also yeah. feed them yes. you said every day they get one yeah. meal here others otherwise they wouldn't show up maybe no they wouldn't they wouldn't come if we didn't didn't feed them hmm. um yeah they, they certainly wouldn't come if we didn't feed them it's a um sorry I just want yeah. to put this on silent um because surfing, I mean, surfing is energy intensive and they wouldn't show up if they knew they're going to go hungry and there's nothing at home to eat. So, and also the food we give them is really good. So that sort of draws them, draws them down. We give them really healthy, healthy food, probably healthier than what they're getting up there. <laughs> I'm quite sure about that. Yeah. And I think you also do, the last thing they do before they go back home is brushing their teeth. Why? Yes. Uh, it's, it's a massive problem. I mean, it's, we, we've had so many children um, used to have, not so much anymore, maybe because we started brushing teeth, but I mean, kids would show up with like just these massive, you know, uh, an abscess of a, 
of tooth decay mm. that's just been like you know getting worse and worse and worse and, and nothing is done about it mm. um so we we sort of started brushing teeth as a as a necessity just to not have to deal with that um because that's not something that we're equipped to deal with yeah you're not a doctor <laughs> no yeah. not at all yeah yeah wow so <laughs> You said in 2020, 2021, you thought about starting educating them about Bitcoin or also like to, how can you start a circular Bitcoin e economy in a township? And what are your, what have your thoughts been on how this could help the community there? Yeah, yeah, sure. So how do you start it? I mean, I, I I thought to myself, I would literally just copy what they did at Bitcoin Beach. <laughs> um, it worked there. May maybe it could work here. And the initial interviews that I listened to, it's, it seemed pretty simple. Uh, not easy, but simple. Um, you know, onboard a few shops to accept Bitcoin as payment and start paying some people in Bitcoin for work that they've done. Um, using a donation that was received in Bitcoin. So we happened to receive a donation in Bitcoin in early 2021, um, thanks to a podcast, which you were also on, Ricky from Bitvice, mm -hmm. um, By the Horns. They, they asked me to come on their podcast. Um, they had read one of the articles I wrote for Bitcoin Magazine, and it was one of the first South Africans to to write for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, I think there was maybe one or two guys before me from, from here, but... Um, so they asked me to come and chat and we ended up talking about the Surfer Kids. Um, I think the two philosophies are quite quite similar. We received the donation in, in Bitcoin and um, I'd been sitting with this idea in the back of my head since 2019. And I thought, well, okay, cool. So now we've got a little bit of Bitcoin. We had one senior coach working for us and I approached him and I said, let's give it a go. Um, he, he was quite receptive to the idea. And uh, yeah, we just took it from there. He started talking to shop owners. He found Nosichle, <laughs> who started taking Bitcoin. <laughs> She's an absolute legend. And um, I think it can help because I don't think there's any other way to invest for the future if you don't have uh, large amounts of capital. Um, I think the only way to save for the future is to invest. Uh, there's, there, there's no reason to think that you're saving for the future if you're saving in a bank account. Um, so Bitcoin can hopefully help shift that mentality to think more about the future. Hmm. What are the parallels for you in the philosophies or in the doing of uh, surfing and Bitcoining? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not surfing in general, but, but, but what we're trying to teach the kids here, it's, it's commitment. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's more about the side effects of learning to surf, which I think because it's a difficult skill, you learn the value of commitment over the long, over the long term. Um, and that's what Bitcoin is all about. I mean, it's, uh, you're not going to make money quick. That's not what it's about. It's about, you know, um, what's that saying? Um, Bitcoin is not about making money quickly. It's about not losing money slowly. So 
and and that that shift in mentality is sort of you know that that lower time preference lets you think further ahead and plan for the future um think about what are your children going to need one day think about what are you going to need for your retirement um think about what are your grandkids going to inherit um think about those things because they're important um and and what we do with the children here aligns aligns with that um that long-term outlook yeah and you also said it takes like five to six years until the children really or not only children but also grown-ups can really <laughs> surf very well right yeah i mean if you learn really quickly as a child i'd say you could do it in three years uh, maybe even two years um, but with the kids in our program where they come from the circumstances they come from it's more difficult it takes more effort so it's normally between four and five years. Mm. They are not focused, right? They don't have the focus. Yeah, they don't have the focus and there's no, there's no structure at home. Mm. They don't have that, you know, now you do this. And I guess they don't have the support that someone shows up, no. brings them here and says, you do that now. No, you know, they yeah. don't have that support. You know, they, it, they've got one parent. Mm -hmm. If, and that's the coach oh yeah yeah i mean yeah you you have some sort of a father or mother role i mean only fathers oh. because you don't have a female coach yet, Not yet. Yeah. yeah um and also uh you told me a story about that i mean the the violence the level of violence is incredible high and also because the po poverty brings people to do things like a mother and a grandmother i think stealing from one of your coaches right yeah Yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't, it's not maybe stealing, um, but oh, yeah. manipulating, you know. Mm. So, that, I mean, they, they, were, they were basically manipulating his salary away from him while he was earning cash. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it, it's, 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 it's survival at, mm. its, at its most desperate level. Mm. It's what, how far would people go to survive if they have to do anything and everything to survive? Mm. Um, and if you push a person, regardless of who it is, if you push a person to that extent, most people will probably end up doing terrible things mm. to one another. Mm. Um, and that's basically what's happening up there. Mm. Now, okay, yeah, let's focus a little bit more on the positive things, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we just said that one of your coaches, uh, they took his money away because he had cash. Yes. So now that can't happen anymore, right? Because um, no. he has the seed. I don't know where. I mean, they are doing self-custody, right? That's what you teach yes. them. Yeah, we, we teach them self-custody on-chain. Mm -hmm. Lightning, it's all still uh, custodial. Mm. But Lightning, it's, it's, it, it gets spent pretty quickly. So from their Lightning wallets, it would either be spent almost instantly within a couple of days at one of the shops or it would be transferred into a self-custody on-chain wallet for long-term mm. long savings. Okay, so how many senior coaches, junior coaches and people do you have here now that you pay in Bitcoin fully? Um, so everybody, everybody earns a, a, a 100% of their salaries in Bitcoin now. Um, Everybody except myself, because I don't earn a salary. <laughs> But everybody that does earn a salary earns everything in Bitcoin. And we've got, we've got one senior coach who oversees the program. 
Uh, we've got three junior coaches working underneath him. Uh, we've got two lifeguards, uh, one of whom uh, also plays a role as a senior coach uh, when he's not patrolling the beach. And then we've got a full-time teacher. So that's seven, seven people who are being paid mm. in, in Bitcoin. That's quite something. Yeah, it's expanded a lot since the beginning of the year. Um, up until the end of last year, it was only the senior coach and three junior coaches. Mm -hmm. So we added three more people since the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. And so Luthando, I think, was the first junior coach? Or is he a senior, se coach. senior coach. Yeah. He's the senior coach. He's the senior coach. Okay. Yes. And he was the person who onboarded the shop owners, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so when did that start? A year ago or when? Um, so I started talking to him about Bitcoin in May 2021. Um, I actually spoke, spoke to him about it the first time in 2020. Uh, but that's only because somebody approached him uh, with a scam. Uh, MTI was a very infamous South African scam. MTI? They, MTI, yeah. Uh, yeah, weird title for a scam. <laughs> MTI. Mir Mir Mirror Trading International, is what they call Mirror it. Mirror Trading? Mirror Trading International. They uh -huh. stole billions. Oh. Um, they had a, a trading bot mm -hmm. <laughs> that could generate 1% per day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so somebody approached them with that and I, I pulled them aside afterwards and I said, look, my man, no, you know, no, don't, don't even think about it. I will explain all this stuff to you, but all you need to know for now is don't go anywhere near that. If you're interested in this stuff, we can chat about it. Um, and then about eight months later, uh, we really started discussing Bitcoin uh, in May 2021. And he started going to shops in July of that year, onboarded the first shop at the end of August. Um, which was Nosichle. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was the only one spending Bitcoin at his shop for about two months, August, September and October, three months. And then in November, we launched it on Twitter and we started paying the junior coaches as well. Mm -hmm. And did Nosichle ever buy something with it? Do you know that? Um, she has cashed out a few times when the price has gone up. Um, she's used it to buy some nice things for herself. Um, you know, we encourage the shop owners to cash out at the beginning just to illustrate that it's real money. Mm -hmm. um, but she's actually holding on to a significant amount of Bitcoin. Um, a surprising amount considering the dips that she's been through. Um, Lutando did confirm her balance yesterday and I was actually, I was very surprised <laughs> to see how much Bitcoin she's holding on to. That's great. Um, she, she got it, it seems. She understands. I think so, yeah. I think mm. so. Um, she would use it to buy airtime um, and, you know, from time to time because it's very convenient um, through, you know, like Bitrefill, for example. It's even more convenient to buy airtime through that app than it is through traditional means. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I also heard yesterday um, you onboard or Luthando uh, onboarded the barber. 
or one of the barbers here. Yes. So you can actually get a Bitcoin haircut now. Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> you can get a Bitcoin haircut. Um, yeah. I mean, Lutando and, and, the, and the junior coaches, but primarily Lutando um, does all the onboarding. I, I don't do any of that. In fact, I, I try and show my face as little as possible mm-hmm. up in the township. Um, I, I don't want to be the face of the organization up there. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. It's it's got to come from from within the community itself. Yeah. Um, because this external assistance thing. It's yeah, yeah, and it's also not sustainable. I mean. No. Yeah, and they need to build trust inside of the community. Yeah. 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 And um, I also heard yesterday Lutando telling you that someone in the barber shop said Bitcoin is devil's money. Yes. <laughs> so most people, <laughs> most people believe that it's a scam, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, the vast majority of people. Uh, I think some people don't know what it is, but almost everyone that knows what it is thinks it's a scam. Mm. Um, there's been two really big scams. And unfortunately, they target the poorer areas where education is still an issue. Um, I, I, it, it's just easier to scam somebody with a, a, lower, a lower level of literacy than somebody who is a little bit, you know, it's got a slightly higher level of education. And people who are more desperate are also more easily scammed. So, unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> but you know all about that. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, but yeah. For me, it's like, you know, it's like a little bit, I come to one place after another here in Africa and it's always the same and it's so yeah. saddening, you know, and all the, the knowledge you share and all the education really starts very at the bottom, you know, like, yeah. but it's not a scam. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, and, and it's like you say, you have to show how it works. And that you really can buy things for it, because yes. otherwise people don't believe that it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. which is understandable, completely understandable. It's completely understandable. Yeah. I mean, if you've been exploited before, you're gonna be suspicious. Yeah, naturally. And the thing with the devil's money, I think, isn't there something? I'm not religious, so I'm not educated on that. <laughs> but I heard that uh, the end of time has come when there is no more money, I, and I so maybe know. they think. It, it has be, something uh, with that. I don't know. It yeah. could be. There's, there's a lot of superstition. Um, not, not, even just, not, not, not even just religious. I mean, I've, there's a lot of superstition um, in, in, um, in some of the cultures in, mm. in South Africa. So it's, it's not surprising, to be honest. Unfortunate, but yeah, not surprising. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think today the children who are coming here to class, basically, a little bit. Yes. Um, they will earn some sats, I heard. Yes, they will. Why and what are you, are they then doing with it? Um, why are they earning sats? This was, a, this was another uh, suggestion that I got from, uh, from Michael Peterson from Bitcoin Beach. Um, I mean, they, they've, they've learned what works in terms of driving adoption to create a circular economy and children are very effective in drawing attention. Um, so it's, it's not even about the amount that they're spending, it's more about the number of children. So it's better mm-hmm. to divide, okay. <laughs> it's better to divide a thousand sets up between 10 kids than to send one child with a thousand sets. 
So the, the idea is to get the children to queue outside the shops that are accepting Bitcoin and get the shops that are not accepting Bitcoin wondering why Which is there a queue of 10 kids outside that shop and not outside my shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they basically earn Bitcoin. It's not, a, it's, it's not a rigorous earning process. It's basically just do they show up to our program on a regular basis? Do they show respect for the teacher? Are they trying to behave responsibly? Um, do they help where they can with little tasks? Mm -hmm. um, and do they make effort with their schoolwork um, to tr at least try and, 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 and get good grades at school? It's not, it's not like if they get bad grades, they're not going to earn the SATs. It's just that mm. they, they need to make effort. And it's, it's not an airdrop where they don't have to do anything for it. They need no. to show their yeah. work. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. I mean, nothing, nothing about this program is a is, is an airdrop. I don't, I don't believe in handing out free stuff. Um, if you hand out free stuff, people don't take care of it. Yeah, they don't value it. No, yeah. they don't value it. They, you know, so obviously, depending on the age of the child, the amount of effort they need to do to earn those sats will be appropriate to their age until that mm -hmm. time when they get to being a coach then the demands are high <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right because yeah. it's in maybe five six seven years yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay cool um so you said before everything is paid with lightning yeah of course because they have so little money it has to be lightning otherwise yeah. the transaction fee would be much too high Yes. But then if they want to save something, they put it into uh, cold, not cold storage, into a wallet with a seat on chain. Yes. Um, I think it's not so easy to do that. How do we, ah, you know, I, I, I remember which wallet you're using. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about, I think listeners will also be interested in the technical setup. Like which wallets are you, are you using uh, and which uh, process is involved? Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, f look. First of all, I'm I'm not super technical. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, just from the practical. But part. from a practical perspective, I I know my way around Bitcoin to the extent where I can do the basics. Um, and I think what they so so what they do at the moment is they they use wallet of Satoshi as a Lightning wallet. Uh, the shop owners use Lightning Tipbot, and Blue Wallet and Moon. Mm -hmm. So in order to get from Lightning to on-chain, they go through Moon. So they either, if, if they're using Lightning Tipbot or Wallet of Satoshi, they would send Lightning payments over to their Moon Wallet. Uh, they would build up a little bit of a balance there. And then once they've built up enough of a balance to justify making an on-chain transaction, they would send it from Moon back to an on-chain Blue Wallet which then has its own um, uh, backup phrase, mm -hmm. which we encourage them to uh, stamp into metal. And for now, we are still keeping those seed phrases in a safe place at our center, um, locked away here. Um, but hopefully, you know, they can learn to take full self-custody of that. But it, it's a process, mm. it's, you know, we, we had one situation where one of the coaches lost 
both his phone and his seed phrase at oh, the same wow. time. There was very little money on there. It was only about, I'd say, probably about $10. Mm. So it wasn't much, but that was enough for me to say, okay, well, well we've got to take it even slower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, I mean, it's not that easy to, like, how do you explain the value of this little piece of metal? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a complete mind shift mm-hmm. for somebody that's never done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, it's, it's, all, it's all a process. Mm-hmm. And the shop owners, which wallet do they use to receive the money? So they would receive the money into a Lightning Tipot wallet, uh, which is connected to a Blue Wallet. Uh, because the interface on Blue Wallet is is really good, um, but the Lightning Tipod has a static QR code for Allen URL payments, um, and then they would follow the same process uh, to to save. So they would move from the Lightning Tipod uh, over to Moon Wallet, build up a bit of a balance, and then move to an on-chain on-chain mm-hmm. Blue Wallet, unless they're unless they uh, are cashing out. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of the newer merchants that are more recently onboarded, we actually cash out almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only the ones like Nosichle that have been on board for, for quite some time who are now hodling on to considerable amounts mm-hmm. of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And the cashing out, how do they do that? Uh, the ones that have bank accounts would use a regular exchange. The oh. ones that don't have bank accounts would either use Paxful, um, which is a peer-to-peer exchange. We have tried to encourage uh, more creative ways of cashing out. Like one of the things we really want the store owners to start doing is we want them to, because they they sell uh, airtime at their store mm-hmm. and they've got these little devices that people can buy airtime with cash. Mm-hmm. So they can turn their phone into one of those devices if they've got a Lightning Wallet and BitRefill on mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And they could cash out by taking the fiat money for airtime, mm-hmm. but using the Bitcoin balance to buy the airtime and give that to the person buying from Fantastic. Them. But it's airtime, sorry, airtime is phone credits. Yes, yes. So, um but phone phone credits is not such a useful way of doing that because people are because it's so expensive people are very sensitive but the one thing that is coming Bitrefill is going to be listing electricity vouchers on their platform soon mm-hmm. and that's something that gets bought constantly at the shops and people are making those purchases in small amounts so they would come into the shop and buy like half a dollar worth of electricity just for the day because that's all they've got for the day wow And so if the store owners can start cashing out in that way. 50 cents with lightning. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So so if as soon as Bitrefill offers, um, there, there is actually another way of doing it. Um, the Carl who you mm-hmm. met, I don't know. Carl van Weck. Yeah, yeah he, he built, he built a, a, a platform that you can buy electricity with lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, it doesn't work in this municipality. We've mm-hmm. tested it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Okay, but maybe he finds a workaround. We will yeah, see, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would be fantastic, though. Yeah. So now, in recent days, weeks, we had a drop of like thirty percent or even more in Bitcoin. Another time. Um, so how do you 
do you think of supporting the shop owners for the losses or something like that? No. Yes. No, we would have to. I mean, otherwise you you might lose them all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the last thing you want is for somebody to walk away feeling like they got robbed. Mm. I mean, if somebody doesn't understand Bitcoin and you bring them into this world, um, and it just so happens that you onboarded them three weeks before a 30% correction, um, maybe they don't have a significant amount of money in Bitcoin, but if it's a $100 or whatever, and they lose 30% of that within yeah. a few days, they're going to walk away, not with a massive loss, but they'll walk away feeling like they got robbed. So it's a reality that in a situation like this, if you're trying to do what we're trying to do, you're going to have to support. Um, yeah, there's, there's just... There's just no way, in my experience, doing this thing, what we're trying to do, I don't think in this particular community, I don't think there's a way of doing that without making an investment where you don't expect a return mm. on investment. There's going to be a time where that gets cut off. It's not indefinite. Eventually, it will be self-sustaining. But you personally won't get a return anyhow. No. It's just a... The goodwill, like what you're doing. Uh, yes. yeah. I mean, unless, of course, this effort orange pulls. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> then everyone. the price is rising and then, <laughs> then yeah. maybe. <laughs> so we were speaking now about the practical, technical setups, which wallets you're using. Yes. Um, do you have any cold storage for the senior coaches and the people you pay in Bitcoin? Uh, no, personally, I do for my own, my own Bitcoin, but for the organization and the coaches, uh, everything that's on-chain is in self-custody, but not in cold storage. Mm -hmm. So you got the, the seed and that's all uh, yeah. Yeah. On, a, on, a, on the blue wallet, we said. Yes, yes. so uh, now I have to... Uh, I have got some... Trezor was so kind to donate 10 hardware wallets uh, for the project. That that's is very the first good. thing, the yes. others are there, we know that. And then um, I so was. Thank you so much. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah, and we will do a workshop tomorrow with the yes. senior coaches. Yes. And show them how it works. Yeah. You also only have laptops, right? For I mean, the, yes. the kids and the coaches. Do the coaches have their own laptops? Uh, the senior coaches they have their own laptop, and then the junior coaches have a laptop that they share. And how about the shop owners? No, they have phones. They ah, have phones. okay. But, you know, we do get laptops donated from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, and we could look into having a shop owner's laptop, uh -huh. something like okay. that. Yeah. yeah, so if you want to donate, they need laptops. <laughs> they need a lot more. <laughs> we, need, yeah. we need laptops and phones. Yeah. Phones, yeah. Nothing, uh -huh. nothing fancy or expensive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I think the the phones that we are using for the children to spend their sats, we are buying those phones for forty dollars per phone, mm. brand new. Yeah. So it's not an expensive phone. Yeah. Yeah, and then with Bitcoin for Fairness, I was able, and thank you uh, to the donors, to buy a Raspberry Raspberry Blitz um, from Fulmo from Germany oh, and look so cool. it comes in a tamper proof bag <laughs> so I haven't tampered with it because um, it's already yeah it's synchronized with the blockchain because 
Yes. I thought it's better to have it synchronized than, um, and I trust them. So yes. <laughs> you will be fine. This is not tampered with. So that's your Raspi Blitz. That's incredible. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward um, to see you going online with it and opening your first channels. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no rush, please. It's, <laughs> no. Give us some time. Yes. <laughs> to, because like I said, my technical skills are a work in progress, uh, but there's lots of people that want to help. Yeah, I know. Um, and that's the great thing also about the community that everybody wants to help. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I've, never, I've never quite experienced that amount of willingness to help with stuff as I have from, from Bitcoiners in the last year and a half. It's, mm. <laughs> it's, it's quite moving, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. super. Yeah, and Lightrider, thanks. Uh, <laughs> he also gave you some stickers. Oh, that is and so cool. Um, those stamps where you can stamp um, buy Bitcoin on, on we are whatever you to, want to do. Absolutely. Especially on cash. Exactly. <laughs> Especially on banknotes. Yeah. yeah, super. Thank you so much. That's you're, you're so welcome um, because that's actually my goal with Bitcoin for Fairness to support initi initiatives like that one here because I think um, grassroots Bitcoin is the one that's the most important, the most sustainable. Yes. Um, it's a movement bottom up and not top down. Yeah. And that's the goal of Bitcoin for Fairness and my personal goal, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what Bitcoin is all about. I think so too, yeah. exactly. Bottom up. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the near and more far future. What's your vision for Surfer Kids and Bitcoin Ikasi? Um, my vision for Surfer Kids is, is to, to keep doing what we've been doing the last 10 years, which is just to keep the program alive um, and to, to have as many kids from that township join the program and learn surfing. Um, Bitcoin Ikasi, I would like to focus only on that township community and I would like to onboard that entire community uh, before I move anywhere else with that effort. Um, we are not going to try and onboard shops that are located three or four kilometers away in a neighboring uh, community if we haven't orange built that entire community first. Um, and I would like to, I would like that to sort of be a kind of an example uh, of the usability of Bitcoin and how it is already working. Mm -hmm. Because personally, I'm, I'm sort of tired of the excuses that, um, you know, no coiners and um, people who are into altcoins. Um, and people who are completely against Bitcoin. I'm, I'm sort of tired of the excuses that these people have for why Bitcoin can't work, even though they themselves have never actually used it. Hmm. So it's kind of like, well, you know, how do you, how do you prove otherwise without making a practical example? And so this is really about making that practical example. I mean, on top of trying to help the community itself, um, you know, it's got to be it's got to be organically adopted in the community. So people must want it, um, and they must want it because it improves their lives. And if that is the case, then I'd like it to be an example of. I mean, 
people, I, I, would, I would hope that people from the outside sort of look at it and go, well, if they can use Bitcoin, then there's no reason why I can't. I mean, because that's like the, 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 the infrastructure, the standard of living, everything is as low as it possibly can be in that community. So if it works there, there's no reason it can't work anywhere else, really. Yeah. And it will also be a real-life example proving what we always say, or have yeah. been saying for years, that Bitcoin has or will have a positive societal impact on Absolutely. people. Absolutely. So, and that's, I think, also why that project is actually really important. <laughs> I think so too, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I hope, um, I mean, I try to give you everything I can to, to help succeed. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, people donate to this project, please. Um, Hermann, um, also, I think you're doing this as a full-time job for one and a half years now or something. Uh, yeah, since, since the beginning of 2020, when our tourism business went, went down, I've been working on this full-time. You have no income? At the moment, since early 2020, no. Yeah, so, but no. you have a family? I have a family and yes. bills to pay and bills to pay yes and so i think you also <laughs> should earn something <laughs> i probably should um, and my wife has been asking me about that <laughs> so yeah because i think if we all together want this project to succeed you really have to help them please and so herman, cool. herman where can people reach you um, and i guess you then can also do you have a website where people can donate to already yes. please yeah. Uh, we've got a we we've got a website bitcoinekasi.com. Um, we've got a backup domain because we've been having issues with that domain sometimes. So you can either go to bitcoinekasi.com or bitcoin-bay.org. Um, bitcoin-bay.org. Yeah, just because bitcoinbay.org wasn't available, ah. so bitcoin-bay.org. Yeah. Um, but both of those domain names go to um, go to the same website. Mm -hmm. um, there's a donation option on the website, um, both Lightning and on-chain. Um, the on-chain donations go to a self-custody wallet. The on-chain, the Lightning is still custodial, yeah. but hopefully not for long. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you can also donate through Twitter. We are on Twitter, Bitcoinikasi, at Bitcoinikasi. Are we for Lightning address or what? Uh, there's an Allen URL uh qr code mm. on our profile um otherwise the twitter donate button goes to an on-chain address that is also uh -huh. self-custody okay cool yeah and whatever is donated in bitcoin does not get that converted to fiat that's um, important to yeah. use it as bitcoin super yeah <laughs> thank you thank you anything you want to say some final words anything we missed to talk about it I don't think so. I think we've covered pretty much everything. I think uh, the only thing I'd add is um, Bitcoin is the only thing that gives me hope for the future. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for Bitcoin, I'd be feeling pretty bleak mm. about where we are as a planet right now. Mm, that's right. Um, but Bitcoin, <laughs> it sounds corny, but that's why I wake up in the morning and do this because I don't want my kids to grow up in a a world that looks like Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thank you very much.
Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's it. Thanks for joining. If you've enjoyed this interview, please subscribe to my show at anita.link news and recommend it to your friends. A special thanks goes out to the Human Rights Foundation, Leiden.io and OKCoin. See you soon at the Anita Post Show.